Hey guys, it's Natalia Brzezinski podcasting live with Stand Out in New York City in Harlem. Today's podcast has one theme in mind for me. It's a quote and one of my favorites by Hillary Clinton. Talent is universal, opportunity is not. These words rang in my mind as I watched Chris Rock host the Oscars this year and exclaim passionately on behalf of other actors of color. We want opportunity. It's been a turbulent year on the issue of diversity in Hollywood, even resulting in a viral hashtag on Twitter, hashtag Oscars so white. Between the uproar over inclusion and Leonardo DiCaprio's acceptance speech, which passionately advocated for environmentalism and climate change, the Oscars have perhaps never been so political. And thank God for that. The arts, especially Hollywood with its glamour factor, has a massive voice and platform to raise awareness, especially to the young generation. Sadly, many celebrities don't really use their voice for good in a real way, beyond just donating money or PR stunts or photo ops. Today's guest on Stand Out podcast, Rosario Dawson, is an actress and a shining example of someone that really walks the walk and shows what change can happen when a woman uses her strong voice. She helped the effort to elect President Obama by turning out the vote amongst youth and Latino voters, and she remains committed deeply to women, children's, and human's rights in a real substantive way. Rosario is the new Hollywood, creative, diverse, open, socially responsible, thinking beyond herself, beautiful inside and out. Stay tuned for an awesome interview with actress Rosario Dawson. Why do you choose to do this? What, where does your passion to kind of use your voice come from? Um, well, I guess that's an interesting thing when you're, you know, I was very encouraged to do so. I come from a very, you know, on sort of the opposite side of that spectrum, I guess, and a very long line of very outspoken, very intense, very full-on women and men um, within my family. But also at the same time, there was a lot of conflicting messaging within that. You know, my mom is one of... Six technically, but she grew up with, um, you know, one of, you know, she was one of five growing up. Um, she didn't meet her other brother until much, much later. Um, but she was the only girl, and she was the one who was having to do the cooking and the cleaning and doing everything and her homework and everything while the brothers, like, sort of ran around and did whatever, which was very confusing because, you know, she was growing up with her mother being the matriarch and her grandmother, and they both didn't have husbands. They were both, like, raising, there was single women raising this family and brood, but for some reason, they were always the ones to, you know, kind of do everything for everybody and and kind of very thanklessly then take the sort of the other side, but still very strong and really empowered. So it was, it was a lot of mixed messaging. And I think my mom wanted to really refine that when I was really younger. And, you know, I think that's a really remarkable thing though. Now I think there's a lot of kids that, you know, you don't have to tell them that they can be president. They're starting to see the world change around them. And it's sort of a given in a way that it wasn't when I was younger. You know, my mom was saying that to me because she wanted to encourage me, but it was sort of like, I didn't see that reflected around me. Now, you know, you try to tell a kid, you know, you can could be anything they want. And they're like, yeah, I know. I was just tweeting with the president and Lady Gaga, like, duh. But so it's interesting to see just even generationally how much that's changed, how much the, the landscape of my great grandmothers to my grandmothers to my mothers to my world is. And now 
to my godchildren. Like it's such a different world, but still a lot of the same problems exist. We're just tackling them from different perspectives. And I think right now we're actually in a much better place of doing things because the network for good has never been as strong and widespread as it is now. And as much as we can point the finger at say, yes, there are people who aren't doing what you could consider their part or enough or something significant in our eyes or something. It's, I feel like that is so much smaller than the amount of people who really are. You know, when I first started, you know, I grew up around advocates and activists and, you know, I still remember when Al Sharpton wore tracksuits and, you know, and it's a whole other world now where it's, Every, it feels like every actor or musician or someone that I talk to has a foundation or an organization that they lend their time to or energy or a campaign that they participate in in some way, shape or form. And that's because it's sort of just a given. It's, we're, we're, not a, we're not preaching tolerance anymore. We're preaching acceptance. And this generation of kids is not having the same qualms as other people do. They're not understanding why gay marriage or you know, a person's right to choose or any of these different things should be an issue when what's really at the stake is climate change and sexual child exploitation and the criminal justice system and children drowning in underwater student loans. Those are real pressing problems. The wars that we're in and the trillions of dollars of debt that kids are inheriting from bad decisions of the adults around them. So they're like going, yeah, you keep wanting to divide us on these silly, strange, knee-jerk reaction sort of stuff, but I don't see a difference. I'm not seeing race. I'm not seeing gender. I'm not seeing age. I'm seeing people around me and we're all in the struggle together and we can do something about it. And so I I, what I really love, especially even about this event today, is that, you know, in the, in the face of talking about child sex trafficking and exploitation, which is a tremendous issue and problem around the world, that we're doing it with live performance and celebrating young kids' artistry and bringing community together and creating a happy moment to recognize that these are the reasons why we have to solve these problems and issues because there's happiness to be had. Not just because that's bad, but because there's so much good to experience. And we're not here for a very long period of time. Time. So why would we not be putting our energy and time and passion into making sure that we all get to have a good experience, the best experience we possibly can? If we're not doing our best, we'll never get to our best. We have to try. It's not always going to be perfect. But this type of thing encourages that, inspires that, and it passes on over and over and over again. When, this, when the doors open after today, there's going to be smiles that are going to be pouring out of this room, and that's going to spread. And that's the kind of thing that I like to be a part of and want to be a part of. So, you know, I, 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 I just say... I I feel like I was lucky. You know, I grew up in, under very particular circumstances with very particular people who really advocated for me and, and inspired me. And I grew up around activists and advocates. I grew up in New York and, you know, the crack HIV AIDS heroin epidemics, you know, or, you know, seeing the gentrification, like I, there's, I couldn't not be a part of it, seeing what was going on around me. So it was very natural for me to participate in trying to make it better. Um, but now, I think that the avenues of getting to do that are so much more different. You know, sometimes kids are seeing a movie that inspires them to do that. There's a piece of music that inspires. They don't have to walk outside and grow up in poverty to see it. But also, it's okay. Like, it's okay if it's, you know, that that maybe they come around to it a little bit later, that maybe they get success and they go, you know, I want to share some of this. You know, I grew up with poor people helping poor people. I think that's the thing to champion. I think we sometimes rely a little bit too much on big funders and foundations and organizations. And we forget it's the small things, you know, it's making sure during Hurricane Sandy that your neighbor that can't make it down the stairs gets food and medicine. You know, it's really recognizing during a heat wave that like, let me invite you into my air conditioning so you don't die. You know, it's, it's all the little small things that can make a difference. But when we do it on that small, 
small scale and it grows to something like this with this organization, the impact can be that much more tremendous. And then suddenly national lines and divisive things disappear. It's just people helping people. And I want to always encourage that. I never want to make anyone feel bad that you, yesterday you weren't a part of something, but today you can be. Every day is a new day. And I want to hope and to continue to inspire people to do that exact thing, whatever it takes. If it's because you lost a loved one in a car crash that suddenly you're going, you know what, I'm going to ban, I want to ban texting and driving. You know, if it's because you had a child and suddenly you realize it's not about you and you want to make the world a better place. And that wasn't even something you even fathomed or considered the day before because you were too busy taking a selfie. But today is the day that you're like, no, this is what I got to do. I don't, I don't begrudge that to anybody. You know, I, I wouldn't put on the hardship that I had to go through in order to bring me into it so young. But I'm grateful that there's so many opportunities in places like this and that you create a platform like this that spreads that message even more. So thank you for doing that. Because again, you didn't have to do that either. And But your position, the opportunity, and I think that's ultimately always what it is, is opportunity and the inspiration for creativity. You know, I was sitting next to Marcus at the thing and going, this is always the first thing they cut, the arts, the music, the physically, you know, PE, that's the first thing they cut. And look at this, look how strong and empowered and confident and excited those kids were up there. Like what are those, that, that's game changing. And if those programs were shut, these organizations didn't exist, where would they be? What would be happening? It's just a funnel into exploitation, into crime, into just being lost, dropping out of school. Like we know what that looks like. This is a cure for that. And I'm grateful to always be a part of something that champions that because we need to have that on every single level. When you have, you know, the, the princess and queen of Sweden going, this is something that's important. Maybe it'll reach all the way up to the higher up so we can make sure that's mandatory for every child to experience. I love that you mentioned the struggle aspect because I think that, you know, I've interviewed so many women and, and men and I think it's not gender anymore. I think it's that struggle. I mean, my parents were immigrants from Eastern Europe. So yes, I got tossed into this very elite experience at a young age, but I also grew up on the South side with my dad losing job after job with my mom carrying on the family like hell. She still wakes up at 4 a.m. and takes care of like three brothers, her mother, my adopted little brother. Mm -hmm. And I watched that. And I think, you know, the more the tie that binds is, is, is this idea, this concept of struggle mm -hmm. and being, you know, I see this as sharing as a platform, but like there's this little survivor in me that's still constantly, I have to push on the next day. And we're here at childhood and I'm looking at the childhood CEO, Joanna Rubenstein, whose family is also from Eastern Europe. And we've discussed this element that, that drive. I mean, do you think that's what is in you to kind of stand out and take your space. I mean, is it, you know, there's been words around this whole work-life balance dilemma. Can women have it all as kind of a rich white woman struggle? Mm -hmm. My mom didn't have a choice. She had to work and she had me. Yep. You know, most women don't yep. cry about it at home like, you know, oh my God. I mean, what do you think about that and how does race and, and class and, and socioeconomic class fit into kind of being an empowered woman? You know, it's a privilege to complain about a lot of things. It's a privilege to say that I'm going to, that I strive to be happy. That's, that wasn't even a consideration of many generations before. It was like, I start, I strive to survive yeah. and try to do the best that I can and have some dignity around it, you know? So, you know, I, I think it's, it's really important, especially as we're so excited to try to jump into the conversation of being in a post-racial, post-feminist, you know, post all this kind of thing that that's, that the world is a very, very big place. It's a very, very big place. And, you know, I'm, I'm good for you if you feel like that's your personal experience, but believe me, you girls who are getting acid thrown on them because they want to go to school 
you know, um, kids who are, you know, like I, I, I work in Congo and I remember there was this organization who was there and it was like, oh, you guys are here for the oh so sexy issue of rape. And, you know, we're trying to turn on the lights here. We're doing energy. And it's like, you know, people do get raped with the lights on, right? Like that doesn't solve everything, but you know what? I'm not putting you down. I don't understand why you're putting me down, but you know, let's keep, let's go, let's, let's see if we can solve this. You put you, you get these people energy and we'll get these people services over here and see what turns the tide. Like if we do it together, it's not going to be one thing or the other. And it's organizations and people working together because then you have in communities going, if I was a raped woman, I'd get access to education through this organization. But because I'm not, because I'm a man, I don't get help from this organization. It's going, no, I love, and like, you know, a friend of mine has this organization, Shana and Sierra Leone. They work with Well Body Clinic that just joined up with Partners in Health. I brought in Operation USA, V-Day, and the Lower East Side Girls Club. That community is getting served on every single point. They're getting access to, to reading and writing literacy programs, computer literacy programs, learning how to vote, learning how to dance, learning how to write, blog, or learning agriculture, getting health care. I mean, that's what really tremendously impacts a community. It's not about any one person claiming that they resolved the issue, that it's just done. Because when you're not really awake and you're not really seeing the problems of the rest of the world. And that's painful because that's, that's even scarier than the problem existing is people saying it doesn't. That's dangerous for a lot of people. And you shouldn't force people to have to even be seen, you know, let alone be helped. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm always very wary of how people speak about things, you know, and, and, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm someone, you know, my job is to put myself into someone else's shoes for a living all the time. And it can be very uncomfortable to do that, you know, and I think it's always interesting. You're such a great actor. I'm like, so are you, <laughs> everybody acts a lot in their life. You know, we don't really, we're not, if we all were really coming from our hearts and our minds all the time, the world would look like a very, very different place. And unfortunately we don't do that. But that's why I encourage people, but try it on. See what it feels like to be someone else. You know, I'm excited about how technology helps us with that. You got Oculus Rift coming out, and hopefully it's not just a thing for people to just be immersed in their vacation on, on you know, on a, on a loop, but actually go, wow, I'm going to go and look at what it means to be on a reservation. I'm going to look at what it means to be a refugee and sitting for months, you know, in some camp someplace where I'm, I'm afraid of even the people who are supposedly helping me because they're exploiting me as well. You know, I feel think that is this is you know sometimes this technology is an opportunity to get people on board so they can express themselves you know it's no longer just the people on you know on the news cycle saying this is who people are they're tweeting and going that's not that's not true that's not what's happening over here that's not how I feel and you know and there that's what technology does in so many ways it's it's really taking it from just being a few higher ups who get to say everything and the masses now being able to speak and i really you know especially in this time right now i hope people continue to come out in mass they just did for climate change they came out to try to stop a war before it happened that's never happened in the history of our time and we still went to iraq but that doesn't mean that what they did wasn't significant and that it can't still have an impact. So I really hope that people are encouraged to recognize the power is in their hands to really do something, to really tell their stories and move people and recognize exactly like you said, I grew up with poor people helping poor people. I grew up with, with mothers and fathers who did not have the the luxury of going, yeah, you know, I'm just going to do this many hours. I'm going to take this much maternity leave off, you know, and like fathers who want to have paternity leave, but their bosses won't let them, you know, looking at, okay, women don't get paid enough. Well, let's really look at that in detail though. Are you talking about white women, black women, Asian women, black, Latina women, trans women? You know, like there's, there's a whole, there's, it's, it's, if it was so easy to do it in one blurb, 
the, it, it, everything could have been resolved a long time ago, but it's complex. And the reasons why it's complex is because everything is involved and engaged with each other. You can't look at any of these issues and separate them from anything else. And so we have to all be aware of what's going on in the criminal justice system. We all have to be voting. We all have to be mindful of not wasting water, even if we're in a city that doesn't have a drought. We have to be thinking about these different things and thinking about each other. And if we're not, then we're hurting each other. And that's, that's something that you have to own. If, you, you, if you're choosing that, know that that's what you're choosing. And that's what these opportunities are, is to give people awareness of that. Because so often, they don't realize how simple it is actually to give. And kids these days do get that. They are appreciating and going, it doesn't take anything from me to stop and talk to that person with, you know, a, a little pad and wants a signature. It doesn't take anything, you know, I don't have to have a family member that has cancer so I to go and raise funds to help my friends with their cancer cause. You know, kids are just, they're seeing that and open and accepting. I'm so grateful that we have children that are not about tolerating. Like, thank you so much for tolerating me. What the hell is that? Accept me, I accept you. We don't. We can agree to disagree. We don't have to like each other. But it's not even going, can we coexist? We do. We are coexisting. We're not making the best of it. We're making, we're begrudgingly doing it. But we are. And we can do it better. So let's try. Let's make that effort. And let's continue to, to support organizations like this that make it their mission to reach out to go, I don't know you, but I see you. And there's a problem and how can I help? You know, my mom, I remember she worked for this organization called Women's Inc. And these women would come with children on their back and just a t-shirt on their back going, he's been beating me for years, but yesterday he hit my child and I finally left. But so many years had gone by. She's no longer guys has any family that want to support her, no friends. She's ostracized. She's never been, she hasn't been in control of the bank account. She hasn't worked in years. So she's really at a loss. And now she's banging on a door and someone like my mom who's a complete stranger is helping her. And that's the thing that I want to really celebrate, you know, is the fact that strangers, there are people out there who are dedicating themselves. If you don't have a teacher, if you don't have a family member, if you're not being raised in a community that's conducive to you, that doesn't mean that there isn't someone out there. There's so many people out there. And I'm grateful to be a part of celebrating an organization like, you know, Childhood that's been doing it for years that is saying, I see you, I'm here, how can I help? I'm saying the same thing. You had a, you have a great quote that says, you know, every woman should be sharing the story of her life, should yeah. be writing it and sharing it. This is what this podcast is about. But yeah. one thing I notice is sometimes women want to be perfect oh, yeah. in the media. And, um, the stories that really connect are the ones where you say, I fell on my ass and I got up and this is how I got over it. Yep. Can you tell us a, an experience of where you had a setback or a failure and how you got over it? How did you stand up for yourself? I'll tell you even just like a, a funny one that just came to mind. But it was interesting because it just shows even for like for someone like myself where it was like you still it's so difficult to get out of your head around a story or an idea that you have in your head. You know, I was at this really awesome uh, festival in, in uh, Ghana called Asabako, and it's a jungle party. So I immediately just assumed that there wasn't any porta potties. So I just like launched and walked into the jungle so I could go to, the, so I could, you know, go to the bathroom. And I, and everyone's sort of like, when I come back out, I got cuts and scrapes. I really hurt myself. It was really bad. And then when I came back out, like all these Africans, everybody's looking at me like, why did you do that? Like, there's snakes out there. That was super dangerous. I'd never do anything like that. And I was like, wait, what? And they're like, there's a porta potty right there. And I was like, 
I've been coming here for years, but it just didn't even occur. It was like, oh, they're doing this jungle part, but, mm, and, and, and it was just so funny because it was so small and it was so silly. And the next day they're like cleaning up my wound. I was like limping for like three days because I'd hit this branch. But it just was like that one thing. I was like, you know, you think you're so evolved. You think you're so like, I'm so open. I'm so present. I'm so, but you still have these like, it's not going to be as civilized or whatever as like when I'm back at home. And it was so great for them all to just be looking at me like, why did you do that? There's like snakes. That's stupid. <laughs> and just like, just that little, even as something as silly as that, but just that wake up call of like, ask, be present, mm-hmm. participate, don't assume ever. It's not a good thing to do. You know, like a, a friend of mine just said, he saw all these Muslim people praying outside. They were all their cabs were lined up at the airport and it really freaked him out. And I said, why? And he goes, yeah, because they're all just laying there and like, it's just so weird. And you know, so, and I was like, see, that's propaganda for you. It's the same thing. Like whatever prejudice that built into my head that I thought that made me just launch myself and dangerously into the jungle is the same thing that makes him look at something as beautiful as people praying and see a problem. I'm like, unless they're jumping around and shooting people, I don't see an issue. Their job is driving in traffic. Thank God that they're praying five times a day so that they don't have road rage all day long. Like that's something that's actually really beautiful. And it's perverse that our society and our media is making us look at something so brilliant and seeing something scary. And so you need to challenge yourself to look at things and really look at them for what they are and not what you want them or assume them to be. This podcast is produced by ACAST with Sandra Moline as supervising producer and Carl Rosander as executive producer. 